great Odin's raven. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. This is uh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Hello, welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast, episode number 35. My name is Adam, today I'm joined by Kevin. How are you, Kevin? I'm good. This is 35? good. 35? This is number 35. Oh. Getting up there. Almost a year old. This week we'll be reviewing Ryan Johnson's Looper. We'll also be highlighting some Amazon Blu-ray deals. We'll be making our movie predictions. And finally, we'll be going over this week's DVD and Blu-ray releases. Uh, Before we talk about what we've been watching, I just want to go over some in-house stuff. In-house? In-house stuff. Uh, First of of all, I want to thank all of you that have donated to the show. And if you want to keep Film Pulse going, uh, all you got to do is show your support by heading over to the site and clicking on the donate or subscribe button in the show notes. Uh, We've also been getting a lot more people asking us to review their films on the site. I noticed that. And I just... I just want to let everyone know that we will review your film. Absolutely. We love supporting small filmmakers, so send us over your film. But there is a caveat to that. It has to be a real film. Oh. Please, please don't send us a home video of you and your buddies... Punching each other. Doing, some, yeah, doing something stupid in your backyard or recording something in a park or something like that it has to be a real film people production value with with an actual budget and actual people (laughs) a crew (laughs) Uh. and i don't know how to really tell you that this is a real film versus this is not a real film that's up to you to decide but (laughs) you can send it over to us and if we if we think oh this isn't a real film we're not gonna we're not going to do it, nope. but we do review short films, too. We did two two this week from different people that submitted films to us. So, And also, just by sending us your film doesn't mean it's going to get a good review. That's another thing. <laughs> yes. If it's, if it's not very good, we will say it. And we're not going to rip it apart, but we will be giving you constructive criticism on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would like to point that out. As I think, you know, these people being uh, like up and coming, we're, we're not going to destroy you, right? And and that's the thing. We're like, not mean people. I'm not going to weigh your movie as heavily as I would Looper. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to be as critical with your little thousand dollar production. You know. Yeah. So that that is to be said, but. There are certain things that you can do with low budget or no budget and still make something good. We've seen that many times before. And the short films that we got in this week uh, from different directors were pretty good. I mean, they weren't the best, but they were pretty solid. And I respect that. And I respect what these guys are are doing. So send us your stuff. We, We love to see new movies from up-and-coming directors, and we'd be glad to promote it and review it on the site. All right, let's go over what we've been watching. I'll kick it off this week. The first movie I saw this week was 321 Frankie Go Boom. I'm not going to talk a lot about this because I didn't like it. This is available. You can rent this on iTunes. Uh, I just love, I love that. I'm not going to talk about it. I didn't like it. 
Yeah. I mean, it's... First of all, I hate the name. Yeah. I think it's the worst title ever. And I think... I'm just not that into these types of movies uh, where it's kind of like the the comedy crime caper. Mm-hmm. You know, like we we saw a lot of movies like this coming out around when Pulp Fiction was coming out. Yeah. And I just I'm not that into these movies. Like Seven Psychopaths, everybody's losing their shit over that movie, but I'm not that excited for that movie. I'm actually extremely excited for that movie. Yeah, like a lot of people are. Just Ryan's ex- mostly because of the cast. I'm a huge Rockwell fan. Tom Waits, Christopher Walken. Plus, I was just so I, pleasantly surprised by In Bruges. Yeah, yes. I did like In Bruges. Which I was but, completely surprised about that. I thought that movie looked eh. And for some reason, yeah. I just watched it and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. So, I can't recommend 321 Frankie Go Boom. I think we reviewed it on the site. I think Todd reviewed that and gave it a... What did, what did he give it? Like a two or something? I th- yeah, I think he did give it something poor. It was very low. It, it's just not too good. And I would say pass on that. Then I saw Jennifer Lynch's Chained. This is available on... I think this is available on iTunes... Probably by the time you listen to this, it'll be available for rent. Not too good on this one either. I didn't like this one that much. And and it's funny because I really want to like Jennifer Lynch. I really want to like her. And I don't know why. I really liked Surveillance, her last film. Uh, Yeah, I enjoyed Surveillance. But I don't don't know. It just, to me, it sort of comes off as a... She comes off as like a watered-down David Lynch. Yeah, and just um, almost like I'll just watch a Lynch movie instead. Yeah, and her first film, Boxing Helena, was very similar to her father's work, and and then she came out with Hiss too, which was completely ridiculous, and I was not into that one at all. That was insane. Uh, they did make a documentary about that movie, which I do want to see. And she didn't, she, I guess when she was making that movie, she had someone else making a documentary about her making that movie. Mm. And I'm, I'm very, I can't remember the name of it, but I do want to see that. But Chained is starring Vincent D'Onofrio. It, it's, he plays this serial killer who kidnaps this mother and her nine-year-old son, kills the mother, keeps the son captive in his house for nine years. It's... It's rated NC-17, so it is kind of... It's kind of brutal. It's kind of a brutal film. Sounds like it. Yeah, definitely not uh, enjoyable to watch. (laughs) Yes. Um, It's just kind of average. I feel like it's pretty uninspired. I just was not into it. Just wasn't into it. Then I saw That's My Boy... Moving on. (laughs) No, no. Get into the complexities of that's my boy. First off, why did this happen? What happened? It's one of these deals where I've said it before on the show. Sometimes at night, if I don't have anything to watch and I'm trying to fall asleep, I'll put on a bad movie. This was that situation. So I watched that's my boy. It's horrible. It did. There were several scenes that made me laugh, but I, I couldn't tell you what they were <laughs> right now. 
but mm. it's just not very good. Well, okay. Not very good. I, w- I would say skip that one. Second question. Did it do its job of getting you to sleep? Uh, I did end up watching the whole thing. Oh. Uh. But I probably fell asleep at the credits or something. Then I saw We Are Legion, the story of the hacktivists. This is the documentary about Anonymous, and it sort of touches on the Occupy movement, and it kind of just gives the history of this hacktivist group and goes over some of the repercussions of the things that they've done. It goes over some of the... It gets into detail on some of the ops that they have perpetrated like the Sony thing and when they uh, got involved with the unrest in Egypt. And it's very interesting. If you don't know anything about Anonymous or kind of what they stand for, it's worth a watch. I didn't know, I, I know a lot about Anonymous, but I didn't know the details of when they were kind of battling the Church of Scientology. And it really gets into that. And I thought that that was all very interesting. <laughs> mm. Recommend that. Then I saw Pusher. Pusher. The this is the 2012 version of Pusher. This is the remake to the Nicholas Vinding Remf series. That he made three of them, and this is the first remake of his first movie. Mm. I don't know. Well, I, I had a see, trouble. That trouble following that. This is the first remake of his original Pusher movie, right? Or is this the second? Well, well, I meant, no, I meant to say this is the remake of his first Pusher. There's three Pushers. This is a remake of the first one. Gotcha. And there is actually another remake that came out a few years ago. Oh my God. So there's actually, there's actually the 1996 Pusher. Then there's a remake, and then there's another remake. Yes. And I don't know. See, I haven't seen the original three, so I really can't say if uh, this was good or not. I enjoyed it, but I really feel like I need to see the original ones to say whether or not this was good. Yeah. But the, the one dude from Kill List is in it, and he's pretty good, and the the... The main character, uh, his name is Richard Coyle. Richard Coyle. Yeah, I I like him a lot. He did a good job. It's kind of just this frantic, very fast-paced drug movie. A lot of pounding electronic music and stuff. A lot of it takes place in different nightclubs and things like that. A lot of house music going on. Thumping. Uh, Yeah, it's more like there's, there's actually a lot of... There's actually a lot of dubstep and like newer electronic music. I liked it. I mean, it was fine. Nothing special. Again, I'll say I, ha- I need to see the original ones to really decide. And I saw Arbitrage or Arbitrage. <laughs> Arbitrage. I don't know how to. Do you know how to pronounce it? I don't know. Is it Arbitrage? I I always said Arbitrage. Arbitrage. I don't know. But there is an R in there, though. Yeah, I ignore R's. Uh, I like this. It was it was really good. Surprising, because I can't remember the last time I saw a Richard Gere movie that I was just like, yes. <laughs> well, that's the weird. Like when I first heard about this movie, I'm like, oh, it sounds like a pretty good idea. 
I like I like the storyline here, but for some reason I just can't get myself around to watching a Richard Gere movie. Like I just yeah. can't do it. Yeah, this is really good. Uh, I do want to note that Pusher is available on iTunes as well, and Arbitrage is also available on iTunes, and it's good. I mean, it's just a solid thriller. I recommend going to see it. It's actually playing in theaters here right now. Well, I do remember, I think we talked about it before when we were talking about The Master, how this movie actually you know, did really well in the theaters, even though that it was, you know, released on video on demand at the same time, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, another case, making another case for people will still go to the movie theater, even though it's out on video on demand. Right. Yeah. There's no reason you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Simultaneous. I know that I will. It depends on the movie. Like this movie. No, I wouldn't go see it because there's really no point, but Pusher, if that was playing here, I'd probably go see that as opposed to watching it at home. Or Looper, for instance. If Looper had a simultaneous theatrical on-demand release, I'd see Looper in the theater, regardless. Yeah, there's some movies that you have to see on the big screen. Yeah. Um, But Arbitrage is, is... Good. It's a solid recommendation. It's nothing amazing, but... Arbitrage. 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 And finally, I saw The Invisible War. This is the the Kirby Dick documentary about sexual abuse in the military. So, I take it you had a terrible day yesterday. (laughs) Did it ruin your day? This looks Um, like a film that would just ruin my day completely. I'll tell you why it didn't. Because... After this movie came out, I'm not sure if you read about this, but after this came out, it, this movie made a big change in how the the military deals with sexual abuse cases. And basically before this movie came out or before this movie, there the way that they dealt with it was all internal. So you had it was all done in military courts. After this movie came out, there were congressional hearings, many, many like meetings and all this crap, and they changed the policy so that now any kind of sexual abuse cases are investigated and prosecuted in a civilian court, which makes a huge difference. Yeah, I do remember when this came out. Either, you know, they were doing... Um, Stories and stuff on uh, NPR that I heard in the morning. Yeah, talking about and dealing with this and the way, and I mean the way that they used to deal with this. Like you said, you know, everything's done internally. It was just like I couldn't believe it. It's like, oh, oh it, it's 2012. What, what the hell is going on? When you see this movie, it's baffling how this is allowed to happen. I mean. Everybody that they talk to in this movie, they probably talk to 10 or 15 different people. And it's not just women. They talk to men, too. All of them, their assailants got away with it. All of them. And they go through the whole process of what happens when uh, someone gets sexually abused and brings it up to the higher ups and they go through like the whole process of what happens. And it was just so 
infuriating and ridiculous. A lot of the women that they interview, not only did they not get justice, but many of them got prosecuted themselves for adultery, even though even though they weren't married. So you have an, un, an unmarried woman in the military who gets raped by a married man. And the, and the girl that gets raped gets charged with adultery. Oh, my God. I mean, how insane is that? Come on. Give oh, me a fucking break here. It is... It's a tough movie, but it is, I think, a necessary movie to see. It's one of those movies where you just have to see it. It's like The Cove or Bully. It's one of these movies that... And it made a difference, which is... A big thing. Yeah. I mean, and, anytime a documentary can do that. Yeah. You gotta huge. give it, you gotta give kudos for that. I mean, and, yeah, this is a movie that I want to see. It's just like finding the right time to watch this movie. Cause like I said, I have a feeling that it's just going to like ruin, yeah. ruin me for like, I mean, a it is one of those movies where there's no right time to see it. Yeah. There's no right time to watch a movie about, rape yeah but i just i just was just like you know what it's it's on itunes again it's on itunes it's 4.99 you can rent it in hd for 4.99 wow and i was just like yeah i'm gonna i'm just gonna do it because i think that i need to see this and the interesting thing is with digital platforms now i think it's easier for filmmakers to add things in so they did add like a footnote at the end of kind of the fallout of this movie, which was great because normally you have to look it up yeah. to find out what happened. That is pretty cool. But they actually added it in afterwards. So that's that's really nice. And that's that's it, other than Looper, which we'll talk about in a little bit. It sounds like I gotta get myself a big old bottle of alcohol and watch the Invisible War. Because I'll probably go on like a bender for two days, three days. It is very depressing and because society makes me sad. It'll make you... It's just infuriating. Infuriating. Okay, what do you What do you got this week? Oh, we got a good bit. Good bit. Started the week off with the Cosmopolis. The new David Cronenberg. David Cronenberg the adaptation of the Dom DeLillo novel. And it was okay. I just... I felt as though... I sat down and I was like, yay, I'm going to watch a movie. And a bunch of actors walked into my room and they're like, no, we're just going to read this book to you. Because that's essentially all they do. They just sit and just talk. And I know that's what happens in the book. But to me, it just seems like, oh, I should have read the book. Mm -hmm. That was the only Mm -hmm. thing I sort of gathered from it. I mean, it was the only, I thought Robert Pattinson did a decent job. I'll give him that. Um, this is the, I think one of the first things I've ever seen him in. I can't think of anything else that I've seen Robert Pattinson in, but the only person that I thought brought something to the table was Paul Giamatti at the scene at the end, which he's fantastic in. Plus, uh, Jay Barishaw at the beginning was good. Yeah, I would agree. But at the same time, it seems like that was kind of the the point where Paul Giamatti was kind of really one of the only characters that was outside of this 
this world, you know, this kind of tiny little bubble that they were in where there was all this chaos happening outside and yet they're just in there in his car just talking figures, talking numbers. Yeah, I mean, I know that that's what the book's about. So it's not really... It's not that Cronenberg didn't do a bad job. Just to me, it just seems like this was a bad idea. To just sometimes books shouldn't be adapted they should just state books and i think this is one of those instances where there's nothing really that translates well onto film i mean it's just people talking just read the book i just don't see the need for this movie to be made i thought it was an interesting concept i certainly didn't find it to be cronenberg's best no not I at mean, all. Uh, there, this would probably be near the bottom of my list on Cronenberg stuff. And plus the the actress that plays his wife, she gave a very odd performance, I thought. She was odd. She was an odd character. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that was <clears throat> that's what he wanted, and that's why she played the character that way, but I don't know, it just for me it just didn't work. I just don't I don't see the reason for this being a film. The only the only thing that happened for me was like, ah, this sounds like an interesting book. I'm going to read the book, maybe. I think my girlfriend said when we were watching it that it feels like we're watching a play. And that kind of, it kind of felt that way to me, where it was like, it almost felt like the actors were just kind of just reciting lines. That's, they- that's what I'm saying. Like, do you remember, you know, like elementary school where you would read a book and every kid would read like one paragraph and then it would mm-hmm. go to another kid. It felt like that, except the people reading the paragraphs are Robert Pattinson, uh, Julia Binoche, Samantha Morton. They're like big time actors, but it just felt like they were just reading passages of the book to me. And I also think that this goes along with it. I don't think most of those actors really knew what they were saying. No. Because when you watch the movie, you're like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> And I think that that goes along. I think one thing that could hurt an actor's performance is if they don't really understand the context. Yeah. You know, they they just don't understand what they're saying. Yeah. It just, and I mean, did, like I said, it like, just comes across as them just reading, the, like they're reading it for the first time and they're reading it yeah. to me and there just happens to be a camera in front of them. A lot of jargon. A lot of jargon. A lot of jargon. I still I still enjoyed it though. I I thought that it looked really nice and I loved Paul Giamatti at the end and his uh Korean panic attacks. <laughs> I, I do think that this I do want to revisit this and watch it a second time. Maybe I'll pick up on more, but probably not for a while. So this is like this is like an in-betweener for me. It's not really a like I wouldn't say skip it. But at the same time, I don't recommend it. Essentially, I would only recommend it if you're a Cronenberg fan, uh, if you enjoyed the DeLillo book, and if you're a fan of the actors that are in it. Well, I don't even know if I would say see it if you're a Cronenberg fan, because it didn't even feel like a Cronenberg movie to me. Yeah, I mean, well, there, were, there were certain things about it, but overall... I don't know. Yeah. Then again, Cronenberg has been making movies, I don't know, maybe the last 
five or ten years that haven't been necessarily necessarily characteristic of his style. So I think he's trying new things. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he the, the thing that I sort of noticed with this and uh, like a dangerous method, it seems like he still has the whole uh, distorted body image thing going on, but it's like he went more inward with it instead of like the oh. outward appearance of the body. It's more like the inward of like the psyche of a person. Yeah, but he, when you go back and start watching more of his filmography, you'll find that there's a lot of mo- like Spider, for instance. That's all about, uh, in your mind. Mm. So he does he does explore the mind a lot in his movies. Basically anything with the body. Yeah. So yeah, Cosmopolis was like a Manila folder for me. There you go. Manila folder. There you go. Uh, the second movie that I watched was Sound of My Voice, which Love we it. talked about, uh, I think, the last podcast, right? Yep. <clears throat> this is fantastic. Great movie. Like you said, uh, just to reiterate, again, makes a strong case that you do not need a big budget to make a solid film. You just need a decent screenplay. Uh, some decent actors and someone that knows what they're doing with a camera and you can knock it out of the park because I thought this was great and nice brisk pace to it which I'm finding is one of my favorite things about uh, low budget indie films is they don't have the budgets to make like two and a half hour long movies so there's always a nice brisk pace to them which I enjoy Because some people are starting to get ridiculous with their oh, films. Oh yeah, the the I've noticed that like a lot of the bigger budget blockbuster type movies, are, they're getting longer, and indie films are getting shorter. Yeah, so that's one of my one of the nice things about having a low budget is that you can't make a two and a half hour long movie. But uh, yeah, Brit Marlin, I think is going to be huge in the next couple of years. Yeah, and she's in Arbitrage, too. Yes. And her... Well, she co-wrote this movie with uh, Zal Batman-Jill, who's the director, and apparently they're working on another movie called The East, which is directed by him and co-written with Britt Marlin, where he plays... Uh, like, someone has to infiltrate, like, an anarchist group. So I'm excited Sounds. for that. I definitely keep my eye out for these two. Plus, she co-wrote uh, Another Earth, which was good. I Just haven't seen that yet. I'm going to watch that this week. Very talented. She gives a really great performance, too, I thought, and sounded my voice. Yes. she was To me, she was like head and shoulders above everyone else in that film. Yes, absolutely. Especially the the in the couple, the, the girl in the couple. I thought she was pretty poor, but... Yeah, but it's definitely a movie that sticks with you. You know, this whole... And this seems like another thing that's sort of gotten popular in the last couple of years is the cult. Cult's always been somewhat a popular storyline, but my God, it seems like they're popping up everywhere. It's because it's interesting, I think. It's just an interesting concept. Yeah, it is an interesting Actually, concept. I mean, I, I liked Martha Marcy May Marlene a lot, but I like this better. Yes. Yeah, I did. Uh, they might be tied with me. I think I like this one better. It definitely does. It sticks with you for a while. 
find my yeah. I found myself thinking about this for like three or four days. So I definitely yeah. highly recommend Sound of My Voice. Um, and then on a whim, sometimes I here and there I'll check Hulu in their Criterion section to see what movies you can watch for free. So I had off on Monday, and I thought I'm going to watch the shortest film that they have. So I go through, and here it's it's a Czechoslovakian movie called Valerie and Her Week of Wonders. It's part of the uh, the Czech New Wave, which happened in like the early '60s. And I've been wanting to watch a Czech movie. I haven't seen one yet. So and it was only you know 73 minutes. So boom, this is what I'm watching. Holy shit, this was weird. Hmm. It's so bizarre. It's uh, heavily influenced by like Alice in Wonderland and Little Red Riding Hood, like all these, you know, fairy tales. And mm-hmm. it's about uh, a young woman, well, a young girl. That, it starts out in the beginning, she gets her period. And it's all about her, like, becoming a woman. And it was, it was somewhat uncomfortable because. They tell you right off the bat that she's 13. And I think the actress that plays her is actually, I think at the time she was like 13 or 14. So it's all about like budding sex- sexuality. And, you know, she's like nude a lot in the movie, which was just, I don't know, it was uncomfortable for me seeing a nude like 13, 14 year old. Yes. It was, it was tough. And I mean, just, uh, insanely surreal there's so much it says here it's a vampire movie oh yeah there's vampires in it vampires nice. pop up at the middle there her the woman that plays her grandmother grandmother is just like an early 30s woman a woman in her early 30s and they just put white makeup on her face that's it <laughs> so she's just in white face for like half of the movie playing the grandmother which is odd and then all of a sudden she becomes a young person. But what all that means is they just take the white makeup off. And like people change who they are. Like she, the woman that plays the grandmother plays like four different people throughout the movie. And it's just a batshit crazy storyline that it's really difficult to follow. And just bizarre things happening. Just extremely bizarre things. Like you said, vampires. Just have like halfway through the movie, boom, vampires. And you're like, wait, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> so it's definitely, I wouldn't recommend it unless, again, if you're interested in Czech films, most notably the Czech New Wave, and you like bizarre vampire movies. And then I watched a Turkish movie called Once Upon a Time in Anatolia, which uh, I talked about before. I've seen two of this director's other films, uh, Distant and climates Nuri Bilger Jalan who this movie won like the grand prize for the jury at the 2011 Cannes Film Festival and this is amazing to watch it is just unbelievably beautiful it's just like in the hillsides of Anatolia where they're searching for a dead body and they just search forever because the guy can't remember where the hell he buried him. And all the fields mm. look the same. But everything's... Essentially, the whole movie takes place at night. 
and the only lighting that they have is like flashlights and the headlights of the cars and just it just makes it look unbelievably beautiful the way that the lighting is done and everything and it sort of turns into you know they start talking with each other like the prosecutor and the doctor and they start finding out all these things and sort of turns into uh the guy sort of learns a lesson that sometimes some things should be left unsaid like there's something that happens in the movie which i can't really give away but it was sort of like a character study it was a really solid film highly recommend it slow burn though just let you know that very slow it's essentially just you know it's a very philosophical movie and like I said, the majority of the movie is just them looking for a dead body, which they can't find. Then I watched Poetry, the Korean movie, which, again, highly recommend. That one, like, best screenplay, I think, at the 2010 Cannes Film Festival. This is about a woman in, like, the early stages of Alzheimer's. But they don't really touch on that too much. There's, there's a whole other story to it where her grandson commits this, like, heinous act and then how she deals with that. And I thought it was fantastic because they never, it's not one of those movies where they like over sensationalize the whole Alzheimer's angle. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, it's just fairly subtle. She's in the beginning stages and she just here and there, she forgets the words for things. And then, but at the same time, you're starting to think that she's forgetting more as the movie goes on, but they never really touch on it. So you're left wondering, like, is she, did she really forget that? Or did she do this on purpose? But it never really tells you. But it was definitely highly recommended, directed by uh, Chang Dong Lee, who is, uh, like, a critically acclaimed Korean filmmaker. I've been wanting to see his movies for a while, and I'm glad I finally got around to it. I highly recommend poetry as well. And then I watched uh, Gerhard Richter painting, which we talked about last Last podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, just came out. Yes. This is what the title states. It's Gerhard Richter painting. Okay? <laughs> Simple as that. Simple. Now, I know for a lot of people, that sounds terrible. But for me, as a painter, that's all I wanted. I just wanted to see him work. So I was happy with that. I know some people were sort of disappointed that it's not really like a documentary and they don't really delve too much into his philosophy and his background and all those things. But like you get to just see the guy work and it's, you know, just fixed camera, him painting. And there's a way that it's sort of cool. The one way that he does, he uses a giant squeegee and just squeegees paint across the canvas over and over again because he never likes it. And he'll, he Even when he has it hanging in the museum, he'll go over and paint over it. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> she does where she sort of has the painting transform through, you know, like stage one when he paints it, stage two, stage three. I mean, he paints over these things like 40 times. And it's just sort of cool the way that they did it. But if you're not a fan of abstract art, namely Gerhard Richter, and you don't want to watch someone paint for like an hour I wouldn't rec- definitely would not recommend it but if you're okay with that it's 
you should definitely see it. And then the last one was Lovely Molly, which we talked about before mm-hmm. by Eduardo yeah. Sanchez, the director of the Blair Witch Project, which I did not know. Maybe mm-hmm. we did talk about that. I just forgot, I guess. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, number one thing I didn't understand is the found footage parts. Stupid. Yeah, there was no need for them. They just served no purpose. They were completely stupid. And it really pissed me off. Anytime it started, I was just like, oh, come on. What the fuck are you doing? Uh, I thought it was a great performance by Gretchen Lodge, who plays the Molly character, who's completely disturbed. Um, <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, I loved it. I was just, it was this whole, I was thinking, oh, this is great. It's sort of like the haunted house genre, but instead of it being a haunted house, she's like haunted by her past. And she gets into drugs to, you know, try and not relive those memories. Uh, but the ending, they just blew it on the ending. It was just ridiculous what it turned into. And I was pissed off. Essentially, it's a film about addiction, really. Yeah. And uh, the thing that was bizarre for me is I'm watching a movie and the guy that plays Tim, the Johnny Lewis guy, I'm like, this guy seems familiar. I've never seen this guy in anything, but he was the guy that was in Sons of Anarchy, the just uh, recently deceased Johnny Lewis. I guess he died like like earlier this week, I think. Yeah, it was earlier this week. He killed his landlord, his landlady, and then I guess jumped off a building? He, he, climbed, he went to the top of the building and jumped off. Yeah. Or I guess they don't know if he fell off or jumped off or what. Well, yeah. What a, yeah. Either way, he's dead. Uh, slightly, yeah. That I mean, that's kind of coincidental that this is a movie essentially about drug addiction, and he apparently was an avid drug user. Yeah. And I read uh, an article in Deadline where they kind of profiled this landlady of of his, and apparently she was considered to be just this great woman in Hollywood, where she would take in these kind of struggling actors. And in the article, it goes over the list of people that she housed. And it, it's ridiculous. It's like Val Kilmer, Parker Posey, Thomas Jane, Paula Poundstone, Chris Parnell, and George Clooney frequently went to visit her. Hmm. Yeah, so she was, I guess, highly regarded as being just a very nice lady that would take in these struggling actors. Sad. Yeah. All right. So, lovely Molly, not not a high recommend on that. No, for, they just they blew it at the end. They just I agree. They took it into it just where they shouldn't have, and just completely ruined it. Yeah, that's that's how I felt about it as well. All right, let's move on and do some Amazon deals. These are all Blu-ray deals. To get these incredible incredible deals, just go to our site at filmpulse.net and either click on the Amazon banner, shop as you would normally, or simply click on the provided links in the show notes. First up, we have Sin City. This is $7.99. And, and get this, I'm going to read this off to you, okay? This is... $7.99. It's $7.99. This is the Sin City two-disc theatrical and recut extended and unrated versions. Yes. That's like Four different versions. <laughs> oh, God. They're getting disc, ridiculous. Is it Sapphire disc, series, though? No, it is not. Uh, it is not the Sapphire series. I'm waiting for Sapphire series. 
Uh, then we have the Princess Bride. This is eleven ninety nine. And finally, we have the Raid for seventeen ninety eight. Seventeen ninety eight. I recommend picking all those up. And I just do. I want to say I don't know if it was last week when I listed the RoboCop trilogy. I can't remember what week that was, but I said it was like nineteen ninety eight or twenty dollars or something. Well, right after we recorded, it went back up to its normal price. So I do apologize for that, but it is back down on sale again right now for like $20. $20. Until we release the podcast. Oh, dude, I was so upset because in the show, I was like, oh, I'm going to get that. And then after we were done recording, I signed into Amazon to buy it. And it's like $50. I was like, what? Oh, so, that sucks. Yeah, so then I was going through the list for today, and I saw that it was on sale again, so I immediately <laughs> bought it, because <laughs> I didn't want it to go back up in price. So, pick those up. I highly recommend all three of those movies. They're all pretty good. So, let's get into our review of Looper. 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 This is written and directed by Ryan Johnson. The IMDb synopsis states, In 2072, when the mob wants to get rid of someone, the target is sent 30 years into the past, where a hired gun awaits. Someone like Joe, who one day learns the mob wants to close the loop by transporting back Joe's future self. Once again, IMDb graces us with a terribly grammatically incorrect synopsis. Uh, Their synopsis are the greatest. Yeah. Uh, this stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bruce Willis, Emily Blunt, Paul Dano, Noah Segan, Piper Perabo, Jeff Daniels, and uh, a great performance from child actor, child actor Pierce Gagnon. Gagnon? I don't Gagnon? know. It sounds like it would be French. I don't know. Like it'd be a French pronunciation. Yeah, either way, I'm sure we'll be getting into his performance in just a minute. Oh, yeah, we will. Uh, my, my review is up on the site of Film Pulse, so you can read that. So I'll start with you, Kevin. What are your thoughts on Looper? And before we before we get into it real quick, I just want to say uh, I think that we should probably do a spoiler section oh, yeah. for this. So hold all your spoiler-type stuff for the end, for, and then we'll the get into it. spoiler a, zone. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into spoilers after we talk about our general thoughts. Okay. Yeah. You gave it like a nine, right? I did give it a nine. Yes. Okay. I loved okay. it. Yeah. I, th- I would probably go there. I think I gave it like an eight, but again, I could agree with a nine. It's definitely a solid, solid film. And I thought it was the way we were sort of talking about it. We were hoping they don't dumb it down and everything. I thought they did a fantastic job of keeping it, like a straightforward, technically sound time travel movie. But at the same time, they, it came across in a way that was very simple to understand, I thought. It yes. just, like a, I mean, kudos to them. They did a fantastic job with it, the way that it came across. I didn't think it was hard to follow at all. I know I did read some reviews where people were having trouble with it, and I don't really understand why. I don't either. Um, I don't either. Yeah. I mean, it's very simple and straightforward. They, there's time travel 30 years later, send a guy back, kill him, dispose of the body. And then, you know, so that person has 
30 years to live, apparently. I thought it was so interesting, and I, and I do point this out in my review, that it's it's a complex film that's presented in an extremely accessible way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, like, when we talked about, you know, when we talked about it last night is, like, we were talking about Ryan going to see this movie. Ryan, I think, would have loved this movie. He might not have understood the time travel, and he might have gotten lost, but I think even in spite of that, he would still love it for the action. That's right. You can, you can take this movie for face value and ju- just think about its most basic you know, level and still come out of it being like, that was awesome. Yeah. That, was an, that was an awesome movie. But you can also come out of it, you know, go home, Start writing up some some diagrams and graphs and drawings, and really get into the the meat of the movie. When you start thinking about the complexities of time travel and the the paradoxes and all that stuff that come along with it, and it's still amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. The other thing was I didn't I didn't realize until I started reading about uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt the way he looks. In the movie? Yeah. Like, in all the trailers, uh, I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, why does he look different? He just doesn't <laughs> look right. And yeah. then they come to find out, you know, they sort of use prosthetics and stuff and makeup to try and make him look more like Bruce Willis. And I thought they did a great job with that. Yeah. I touch on that in my review, too. I thought that not only did he look like Bruce Willis, but I felt like the he captured a lot of the mannerisms and even the way that Bruce Willis talks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, I thought he did a fantastic job of making us believe that he could be, uh, that they could be the same person. Yeah. Again, I, uh, I thought it was good, solid performances from Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis. Um, but my God, the crowning achievement that, you know, the, chief performance of this whole thing is the child actor, the little kid that played Sid. I mean, that yeah, he, kid was amazing. Yeah, I mean, he was... First of all, he showed pretty much every kind of emotion you could think of all in, like, you know, all in a row. Like, he's laughing, he's crying. I mean, he can just cry like nothing. He shows extreme anger in certain scenes, and it's just, Oh, does he ever. <laughs> and it's... It was just amazing to get that kind of performance out of a kid that's, you know, so young. And not only that, but the conversations that the characters would have with him were Mm -hmm. fairly intellectual conversations. I mean, this kid was clearly way beyond his years in intelligence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The only thing that I would say that sort of... um, like cons to the movie where I didn't like uh, Emily Blunt's or Noah Segan who plays the Kid Blue character. I didn't like the their accents. Yeah. Couldn't stand them. I thought they were terrible. Yeah. Um, I, and it, I, in the middle when they uh, introduced the character of Sarah which is played by Emily Blunt and the child Sid, I thought it did drag for a little bit there. Um, but it was made better by the yeah. fact that Sid was there. And you get to yeah. see this amazing performance. I think maybe that they they were trying to spend that time sw- developing these characters 
a little bit. But my God, what this movie turns into, what it turns out to be, was definitely surprising. And we'll get into yeah, that later. But Yeah, I didn't realize that it was going to be... I, for some reason, I just thought it was going to be different. I thought the plot was going to be different. Because in the trailer, they make the plot out to be one thing, but... What it really, what it's really about, is different. Yeah, you know, this is just a different movie than what you see in the trailer. But one thing that some of these movies do is you see all the action in the trailer, and then when you actually see the movie, it's only those action scenes you saw in the trailer, and the rest is just kind of filler or whatever. Yes. And I thought that they did a better job with this. Of, I mean, it was an even paced action. Yeah. And the action is awesome, too. Yeah, that that should definitely be said. It, this movie is its best when it's the action parts. At least I thought so. I thought the action scenes were just amazing. I loved them. And the, the, the use of the slow motion is incredible. Not overused. They use it just enough to keep things visually interesting. And I thought that the slow motion worked... Uh, incredibly to its favor. I would agree. I would agree. Then the only other thing that I didn't like is uh, some of the effects at the end of the movie. I thought just looked a little, uh, you know, not top notch. But that's a very, very small quibble. I didn't have any um, issues with the with the effects. I thought this stuff was pretty cool, and I know that like it's that's not given too much away, but like. Because they show it in the trailer, but like when all the like grass and dirt and stuff's like floating and oh yeah, no, I thought that looked great. Okay, well, we'll, we'll let's talk about those other effects and spoilers. Uh, I think we're just gonna go ahead and go into spoilers because there's just it, it's really hard to talk about this movie without spoiling the shit out of it. Well, let's so. talk about before we get into spoilers. Let's talk about fucking movie theater etiquette. <laughs> For the love of God. I love going to the movies, but as we were talking last night, this it's getting bad. I am really starting to hate going to the movies because of people who just don't know how to act and driving me crazy. I had to sit behind two teenage girls who talked the entire movie, and every single time Sid was on the screen, oh, she's so cute. It's like yes, you determine that. Shut up. And what? And it, what does it mean? What does it mean? No one else has seen the movie. We can't tell you. Like you watch the movie until the end, and if anything's not explained to you during that time, ask someone else. But not during the movie. No one's gonna like pause it and be like, okay, so what happened so far here? And breaking down for you, we're only three minutes in. There's a reason the movie's like 120 minutes. The movie's not three minutes long. <laughs> I love people like that. So you had you had two teenage girls talking nonstop in your two, screening. Two to- and I also had uh, fucking Sneezy McSniffles, who oh, sat yes. over on the other side of me, who in like... As the film's coming on, just talking at like a normal voice, just about daily mundane shit. I'm like, why? This is not the place where you discuss your day. We're trying to watch a goddamn film. I love it. And in my screening, I had the solitary fat man sitting behind us who 
laughed at the most inappropriate and non-funny times throughout the movie. Complete silence in the theater. Complete silence on screen. This guy. <laughs> the laugh. The laugh that is immediately preceded by the throat clear. Every single time, too. And he did it like, I don't know, 100 times throughout the movie. Nice. Ridiculous. Nice. Just don't. Just don't. So I, n- I now have a new goal where I'm going to try and save up money and build my own theater. I've been looking into that. And I'm just going I've to been looking into it. watch movies at home. There you go. Because I'm starting to really hate people. And their complete so, lack of respect. That'd be so funny if you if you literally built a movie theater in your house and you got like distribution co- deals with distribution companies to send you new movies. <laughs> I'm gonna try. Fucking <laughs> try. Oh, that'd be great, Kevin Theaters. <laughs> and like, I'm gonna put like I'm gonna have a website too that'll say like what movies that I'm showing, but not allow anyone to come. <laughs> Uh, and run ads in the paper but not let anyone come there you go that sounds like a great idea or have like a screening process where you have to get like a license to come like you go through like two months worth you have to go through a rigorous (laughs) testing procedure yes exactly okay let's get into some spoilers let's do it okay so let's just start off by, holy shit, who knew that this movie would turn out to be a guy going back in time and shooting kids in the face? Yeah, that was when when you when the reveal happened of what he was doing, like the marks on the map and the fact that he was going to visit children. And you know what? I, I had a suspicion like that. That's what he was doing, because it was like, well, if you think about it, logically, of course, this He's gonna be. It's, he's gonna be young because he's like the big kingpin in the future. So of course it's gonna be a little kid in the past. Yeah. But when <laughs> the fact that he actually does it, <laughs> you're just like, what? Yeah, and I mean, they show him like staking out a house, and the kid comes home, and he gets you know the key up from under the mat, and he walks up with his gun, and you're just like, oh Jesus, he's gonna shoot that kid in the face. He's gonna do it. This is a movie about killing kids. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that. Um, th- I want to talk about the time, some of the time travel stuff because they did some really interesting things in this movie that I've never seen in other movies before. At least, maybe not to this level. Uh, one thing was the writing notes to yourself in your own body. Yeah, I thought that that was really interesting how they did that, and the whole scene with Paul Dano was insane. Like, the fingers that just go missing, the writing on the arms, stuff like that. Yeah. I thought that that was just insane. Yeah, I thought that was a very clever way to get, to sort of catch up with the older Seth character by using the younger Seth character and, you know, carving instructions into his arm. I just thought it was awesome, which, again, was the two teenage girls that I had Every single time a body part went missing, the girl would go, oh, they took a finger. (laughs) Every single body part. So I had to deal with that shit. But I thought that that was really cool. And just in general, 
I like that they incorporated the Paul Dano storyline because that was all set up so that we know the procedure and how they do it and everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I thought that that was a really cool way to kind of fill us in on this world and how things work. Yeah. And I like the Paul Dano character. I was kind of, I was kind of upset to see him get killed. Yeah. He does give a pretty good uh, performance, even though he's only in it for a little bit. Yeah. I like him a lot. I think he's a great actor. Uh, the other time travel aspect that I really liked was the whole idea of the memories and how anytime something would happen with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bruce Willis would then remember it. Yeah. I thought that that was a really interesting concept that uh, I don't know if that's ever been explored before in a a time travel movie, but it makes sense, though, you know? Yeah, it does, and I do like how they sort of point out that not all the memories are crystal clear. Right, exactly. Like, everything's fuzzy to them, except, you know, until the point, you know, it gets closer and closer and closer. And then it becomes more clear to him. But it yeah, was a fun... I really did enjoy the way that they did that. And also, the uh, like when you closed your loop, how you got the huge mm-hmm. payout and you got 30 years to just do whatever you want. Do, yeah. Basically, you're just sort of relieved of your duties. Like I said, it was just re- really great the way that they did it. It's very simple. Yeah, and, and you, you think that it's going to get confusing, especially at the beginning when they show the scene that's in the trailer with Bruce Willis coming in and knocking Joseph Gordon-Levitt out and escaping. And then all of a sudden, right after that scene, they rewind it and show it again with him actually killing Bruce Willis. Yeah. And I, at that point, I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. But it was the way just, that they do yeah, it, was just the way very that they small setup it. to tell you that it's just looped over and over. Right. This just happens constantly throughout the history of time. It's just people reliving the same things over and over and over again, which in a subtle way like explains deja vu. And it's sort of it's like the parallel timelines and all that other crazy shit that you can get into and it blows your mind. And I think that the way that they just the way that they structured that made it very simple and easy to understand. And I think that that's the big thing that a lot of people are like, oh, well, this is going to be a big, you know, mind fuck of a movie. But I love just the scene in the beginning when the two of them first meet in the diner and he's asking about the how it works. And Bruce Willis is just like, you know, we're not going to be getting into this shit because I could sit here all day making diagrams with straws and and writing out graphs and charts and yeah i did no I point. did love that the people that came from the future didn't want to talk about time travel at all yeah they just they're sick and tired of that shit they're just like it'll just blow your mind just <laughs> just just accept the fact that i'm here and that this exists <laughs> and i i think that that a lot of that kind of goes back to the humor of the film i want to touch on that because this is a funny movie i mean yeah. there's a lot of humor involved like it's like when he when he carves the name Beatrice or whatever in his arm and he goes uh what was the other girl's name like Jen, Jen. he's like you know there's a girl that works here on the weekends it's like less yeah, letters like, yeah Jen <laughs> less letters and there's a lot of little lines like that almost just throwaway lines that just add to the film in subtle ways just the humor of it 
And I thought that that was great to just put in little comedy lines. Yeah. And uh, the only other thing I wanted to talk about really is uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the whole TK thing that they added in the film. I, I thought turned- that was hilarious as well. How, you know, the whole telekinetic ability is just reduced to using it yeah. to pick up one <laughs> by floating coins and shit. And I, and I love the, the voiceover of Joseph Gordon-Levitt kind of explaining everything in this world and how he was just like, yeah, when they discovered that people could do this, they thought that everybody's going to be superheroes. But it turned out that that's all you can do. Levitate quarters in your hand. Uh, yes, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, and, and I th- I didn't really know why. that. I had a feeling that that whole TK thing was going to come back, but I didn't really know in what capacity. And it turned out that it is actually a pretty big fucking deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it comes back. Holy shit, does it ever come back. What did you think about the scene when you first see the kid's true power and everything in the, the house levitates and what's his name fucking explodes? Yeah, he liquefies Garrett Dillahunt. That was ins- just the scene of him seeing him floating and then all of a sudden you just see all this blood. Yeah. Coming out. And it just comes I mean, out ever so slowly. Like, you don't even really notice it at first. You're just like, what's going on? Oh, Jesus. And that, actually, all leads, that actually leads into one of my favorite shots in the film. The, the dolly shot of the outside of the house after it explodes. Yes, and they go by the I, bloody window. I just love that that scene that whole scene was was awesome yeah i'm a big fan of those two things anytime you do a, a dolly shot outside of the building where you follow the action even though you don't right see the action and the i have love anytime where stuff levitates like when uh this i'm thinking of the scene on uh, take shelter where it's sort of yes. the exact same thing yes. i just love anytime furniture just goes up in the air I don't know why. Yeah, they do it in a really cool way in this movie, too. Like, how they... Everything's fast, and then they just go... Yeah. And it's like everything slows down. I, I thought all that stuff was awesome. That The scene in the field was awesome, too. And when they when the kid flipped the truck, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, that was that was awesome. And uh, what, was the, what was the special effect scene that you were referring to that you didn't think looked good? Uh, I didn't... The way that they were sort of just like floating in the air for a while, I thought that was a little odd looking. And the way that Bruce Dil- Bruce Willis's character disappeared, I thought was just I don't Didn't he for just whatever disappear? reason I just thought it looked odd. Didn't he just disappear though? Yeah, but I, just, I for some whatever reason I just didn't like the way it was done. It was just <laughs> sort of like a fade, like his character well, just faded. That was actually one of the things that I liked. Uh, Going back to like the beginning when the crim- the people that were being executed were popping in, how it wasn't some crazy uh, transition where they like kind of phase in. There was no like portal where they would come through or anything like that. They were just there. <laughs> they and immediately I, and I, got shot. <laughs> yeah, and I and I like that uh, that there was no crazy effects because if you think about it. If this were a real life thing and time travel did exist, probably that's how it would be. You just pop 
pop into that time. Yeah. And uh, and uh, like when Paul Dan, uh, the old Paul Dano was, things were disappearing off his body. How it would just vanish. Yeah. And stuff. And what you what did you think of the end? Now. Um. I I I mean I predicted it pretty early. Like I said, I, to me it was just it was a very simple, straightforward movie. So like right off the bat, like I could understand exactly what they're doing, and I like as soon as I thought about it, I was like, oh well, I know what he has to do, and that's probably what he's going to do at the end. Right. But I did thoroughly enjoy it. Just the way you know the kid flips the truck, and then the whole scene where he's about to let off like an A-bomb apparently pretty much you know the kid gets shot in the face yeah they, the sh- get shot in the- they show a little kid gets shot in the face yeah they do and Bruce Willis quickly learns that you should not shoot that little kid in the face yeah yeah cause so, he almost destroys the entire world now what? how did you feel about Joseph Gordon-Levitt shooting himself I thought it was I thought it was good um it's it's sort of like that like discussion that sometimes pops up about time travel like you know if you could go back in time and kill Hitler as like a little kid would you do it you know what I mean it's he's not Hitler yet he's probably just a cute little kid because most kids are cute when they're little but would you still shoot him in the face knowing what he's going to do later right which is essentially what they're doing and Joseph Gordon-Levitt <clears throat> takes it in a way that he hasn't seen the dark side of the kid yet and he knows that he's just this cute little kid that has a problem and he needs someone to help him you know control it and that's his mom but his mom always dies because his looper self kills her over and over again that's why he always turns into a terrible person and that's why as soon as he gets control of like the criminal underworld he closes all the loops because he's just trying to save his mom so it's you know, people that are in the same cycle. He always wants to save his mom. Bruce Willis is always going to save his wife. And that mother's always going to die for the child. So he had to break the cycle. So he kills himself. But Which which also, in turn, saves his wife. Yeah. And... So that, that essentially fixes everything. But the thing is, it's still... Essentially, there's still, like, amount of faith to it. Because... Essentially, the entire movie, people never change. It's just the same cycle over and over and over again until he breaks his. Now, it, does that mean that the kid is going to break his cycle? I don't know. You know what I mean? He might still well, think, turn into a terrible person. Because exactly, two days later, yeah. I mean, maybe the mom gets shot by somebody else and dies. Or gets cancer like five years later and dies. And he really pissed off and he starts taking it out on people again. Yeah, and I think that a lot of that relates to the the scene between Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Emily Blunt when she's telling him, like, he needs somebody to help him, you know, deal with it, and she he needs to grow up and have a somebody taking care of him and and teaching him how to use his power and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think that we could probably assume that she helps the kid. You would hope so. You know, fix him, get because the 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 main reason that they kind of spell it out that the main reason that he does go bad is because she gets shot. Yeah, because yeah, because a looper kills his mom, and that's why he, you know, as soon as he gets big, 
taken over the underworld or whatever. That's why he starts closing all the loopers. Right. Closing their loops because he wants to try and prevent this from happening. Either that or he just wants revenge. Either one. Yeah. It's a little bit. Yeah, probably, probably both. Yeah. So I think that is a good place to close Ooh, out. One thing. He does liquefy Garrett Dillahunt. Yes. I just want to make that very clear <laughs> that that happens. And this is a movie about kids getting shot in the face. It is a violent film. Uh, that is one thing to note. I thought that the scene when Bruce Willis grabbed those dual machine guns. Oh, my God. Yeah. They what, sort of go was, like old, old boy on him. Oh, my God. It was just amazing. He just goes crazy. I completely forgot about that scene. That was nuts. Yeah. Yeah, because as soon as you the, the, they do the shot of the guns hanging there on the wall and him grabbing them, you're just like, oh, yeah, it is on. <laughs> exactly. And I do. I guess I do want to quickly mention, too, because we didn't really talk about uh, I really enjoyed just all the science fiction aspects of it because they weren't so insanely out there. Yeah. I feel like it's a future that we could see. You know, this takes place. 20 years into the future and it's not that much different and i don't know if you noticed but like everything was solar powered like all the cars were just normal cars from our time but they just had these crazy contraptions built on them to make them like solar powered yeah it it was sort of funny to see like you know like the flying bikes and stuff and like how emily blunt had that like little robot that crop dusted the the crops and stuff but yeah. then you would see her make tea with a regular stove and a tea kettle and you're like what yeah so there was like certain things that were way like i wouldn't say way advanced because they do have automated drones that crop dust fields yeah so it's like it's not so beyond our realm of thought I mean, to me, the most advanced-looking things were the computers and cell phones that they use. Yeah. But even those, like, I thought they were pretty fucking sweet-looking, too. Yeah, and I mean, they're all When he goes into the library and pulls up the screen from the desk or whatever, I thought that was really cool. But it wasn't so advanced that we'd be like, oh, they would never make something like that. Yeah. Like, everything seemed pretty realistic and, and practical. Yeah. So I, I did I like agree. that. Go see Looper. Highly recommend it. Kevin gives it an eight. I give it a nine. Amazing. It's definitely gone on my top ten. Yeah, it was. De- it was. I, and I've been like this year. I've been let down by a good number of movies that I've been excited about. And this was the one that like paid off. Like no disappointment. It was pretty much what I wanted it to be. For, you know, if that can be said of a movie that has the plot that it has, that we talked about in the spoilers. But, yeah, definitely not disappointed at all. Loved it. Highly recommend. All right, let's move on and go over our movie predictions for last week. Started off with Looper. You said 92, I said 93. Actual 93. You son of a bitch. Yep. And we have Hotel Transylvania. You said 61, I said 50. Actual 42. Damn it. Yep, yep. Then we have Won't Back Down. <laughs> uh, you said 80. I said 82. Actual, 33. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm happy about that, though. Yeah, me too. Me I'm too. glad I, that they I, didn't, because this movie looked ridiculous. 
I love it when we rate movies real high, and it's like, I mean, that's a huge difference. Yeah. 80 and 82, actual 33. Uh, it's great. Uh, kind of the opposite of that, actually, is Pitch Perfect. You said 48, I said 42, actual 72. Yeah, give me a break. Yeah. Fucking acapella bullshit. Uh, my girlfriend saw that, uh, and she said there's maybe... She said there was maybe 15 minutes of enjoyment out of that movie. Awesome. There we go. Uh, let's go over what we got next week. Got a big list next week. So let's just let's just crank them out. Let's do this. Take Taken 2. Taken 2. I think this is going to be terrible. 20. 20? Oh, wow. I think it's going to be a little bit better than that. I'm going to say 50. 50. Okay. Sinister. This is the one with Ethan Hawke. This is the horror film. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say 42. Okay, I'm going to say it's going to be in like the middle somewhere. Say like 56. Okay. Then we got Frankenweenie. What do you think on this one? I'm pretty excited for Frankenweenie. Let's see. Really? Uh, yeah, I don't know why. Wow. That's very <laughs> surprising uh, yeah, to is, me. Because I'm pretty much done with Tim Burton, but we'll see. He's getting one more shot. I'm going to go with like a. 72. 72? I'm going to say 65. All right. right. I don't know. That's probably going to be higher than that. I think you're going to win that one. Uh, We have VHS. We reviewed this on the show. Uh, I think we both pretty much liked it for the most part. Yeah. I'm going to say 67. Oh, I'm going with a 68. Then we have The Paperboy. Right. I think on this one. Paperboy, uh, 70, 74. Now, see, I haven't, I, I've been reading some not so great things about this. So I'm going to say like a 62. Okay. And then finally we have Wuthering Heights. This is a movie we actually talked about last week, I believe. I'm going to say. Wuthering. Wuthering. I'm going to say Ugh. 67 again. I'm going to go. You said 67. I'm going to go 70. I just, uh, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Let's move on and talk about some DVD and Blu ray releases. We actually have a pretty sizable list of these coming out. This is for Tuesday, October 2nd, 2012. First up, we have Dark Shadows. We gave this a 4 out of 10. What do you think about this one? You got to. No. You gonna you gonna give Burton another shot? No, this movie looks terrible. It is terrible, I saw it. Everything looks terrible in this movie. I didn't review it. I didn't review it. Uh I believe it was Chad that reviewed this and he was pretty much felt the way I did. It's not good at all. It's horrible. And then we have Iron Sky. I saw this one and I do not recommend this one either. I think that it's we talked about it several times. I think it's an interesting um experiment where it's a crowd it's a completely crowdfunded movie and they didn't go through like kickstart or anything like that they just got people donating and buying merch and stuff and funded this movie and it looks pretty damn good for being crowdfunded but in the end i think that it falls pretty flat yeah i mean so i'm gonna say you still gotta have probably Probably skip that. I mean, if you're like a uh, hardcore sci-fi nerd, maybe check it out. Then we have Sound of My Voice. Obviously, we both recommend this. 
I do plan on looking to see what kind of special features are on the Blu-ray for this because I'd like to, if, if they have like maybe deleted scenes or alternate ending or something like that, I'd like to check that out. I'd also like to hear the commentary on that one. So yeah, I might actually pick that one up. Uh, and we have red lights. Skip that one, please. Not very good. Uh, and then we have Chained, which I mentioned earlier. Skip it, please. Skip it. A lot of skipping. Uh, skip that one. A lot of skipping. Do you have anything? Um, only thing I have is uh, Wong Kar Wai, uh, Criterion in the Mood for Love. It's going to be out on Blu-ray, which is supposed to be... I have not seen this yet, but it's supposed to be amazing. And it does mm. feature the cinematography of Christopher Doyle we've talked about before he's the guy that did the cinematography for uh last life in the universe Mm -hmm. which i thoroughly enjoyed and i think he's a really good cinematographer so so i might have to get around to finally watching this well i think that does it that's it that's it that's all that's all there is for all the latest film news reviews visit us at filmpulse.net we want to hear your feedback Send us an email at feedbackfilmpulse.net or call our voicemail line at 850-391-6071. Also, please take a minute to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we will see you on Wednesday for Ryan Watches a Movie when we have him watch Don't Go in the Woods. Yes. You know, some of these movies, you're kind of concerned about, um, hold on, fucking Ryan's calling. Hello?